Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 75, no, 73, of The Christian's Daily Walk by Henry Scudder. Now, that a man effectually called can never fall wholly or forever from a state of grace, I, in a few words, reason thus. If God's counsel on which man's salvation is founded be sure and unchangeable, 2 Timothy 2.19, and if his calling be without repentance, Romans 11.29, if God's love be unchangeable and alters not, but whom God once loves actually, him he loves to the end, John 13.1, if Christ's office of prophet, priest, and king in his teaching, satisfying, and making intercession for, and in his governing his people, be after the order of Melchizedek, unchangeable and everlasting, he ever living to make intercession for them, Hebrews 7, 21, 24, 25. And if his undertaking in all these respects with his father, not to lose any whom he gives him, cannot be frustrated, John six thirty nine, Luke twenty two thirty two, John seventeen fifteen. If the seal and earnest of the Spirit be a constant seal, which cannot be raised, but seals all in whom it dwells unto the day of redemption, Ephesians 1, 13, 14. If the truth of word of truth, wherewith the regenerate are begotten, be an immortal seed, which when once it has taken root, lives forever, 1 Peter 1, 23, 25. If God be constant and faithful in his promise and omnipotent in his power to make good this his word and promise saying I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from my people and children to do them good but I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me Jeremiah 32 40 then from all and from each of these propositions, I conclude that a man, once indeed a member of Christ and indeed in a state of grace, shall never totally or finally fall away. The patrons of the doctrine of falling from grace, when they cannot answer the invincible arguments which are brought to prove the certainty of a man's standing in a state of salvation, make a loud cry in certain popular objections, such as are very apt to take with simple and unstable people. They first come with suppositions and ask this and like questions. If David and Peter had died, in the act of their gross sins, whether should they have been saved or no? 
I answer, we have an English proverb. What if the sky fall? Propositions are but weakly grounded on mere suppositions. Should they ask, what if they had died in the act of their sins? Well, say they had died in the act of their sin. They could not die in their impenitence. They, in an instant, might return to God and rely on Christ, or at least, if sudden death had surprised them, their general repentance and faith in Christ, which they had before their fall, would have been sufficient for them. For their justification and adoption were not impaired, though their sanctification was diminished. But we must believe God's promise, and the issue will be this, though we cannot always tell how, that God will so guide his children with his counsel that afterwards he will receive them to glory. Psalm seventy-three twenty-four. Secondly, they object violently that this doctrine of not falling holy from God and of certainty of salvation after a man is once in a state of grace is a doctrine of licentiousness and carnal liberty, causing men to be negligent in the use of means of grace and careless in their Christian course. For when they once know they shall not be damned, they will live as they list, say they, first. I appeal to ancient and daily experience, both in ministers and people. For those who have been most assured of God's favor and of their salvation have been and are more frequent in preaching, more diligent in hearing, and in the use of all good means of salvation than those of the other opinion, and have been most holy and more strict in their lives. But the doctrine of these that teaching falling totally and finally from grace, they being the patrons of free will, on which all the fabric of their building hangs, is rather a doctrine opening a door to licentiousness for thinking that they may repent if they will. They judge themselves not so unwise, but that they will and shall repent before they die. Therefore, they take liberty to live as they list in the meantime. Secondly, the scriptures, the nature of saving faith, and all sound judgment do reason quite contrary, for the certainty of the end does not hinder but excite and encourage men in the use of all good means which conduce unto that end. Christ knew certainly that he should attain his end of mediatorship, viz. the salvation of men's souls, but this was no cause why he might be negligent in the means. Was there ever any more earnest in prayer or more longing to finish his work than our blessed Savior, although he was infallibly certain that he should save and glorify man and that God would glorify him. John seventeen one. 
when Daniel knew certainly the time of deliverance out of captivity, he was not hereby carnally secure and careless in the use of all good means to hasten it, but betook himself to fasting and prayers that God's people might be delivered, Daniel 9.10. Because God assured David that he would build him a house, therefore, saith he, thy servant has found in his heart to pray, viz, that thou wouldst establish it, 2 Samuel 7.27. What child is there that has an ingenuous disposition or any real goodness in him? will slight and neglect to please his father because he has assured him of a large inheritance or because his inheritance is entailed upon him. None but those who are indeed destitute of grace will ever rest and pervert the doctrines of grace, making them to be unto them licenses and occasions of wantonness and sin. Jude 4. Romans 5.21, so as to say, if where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, then let us sin that grace may abound. And if we are not under the law, but under grace, then let us sin because we are not under the law, but under grace. Romans 6.1.15. But as any man has truth of grace, the more he knows it, the more he reasons otherwise. Ezra, having not only a hope, but the possession of that which God has promised, he does not say, Yeah, we may live as we list, but saith, Should we again break thy commandments? Ezra 9, 13, 14. An honest heart makes the same inference from spiritual deliverances. The scripture, from the abundance of God's grace and from the certainty of it, does reason for grace and for obedience. How shall we that are dead to sin live yet therein? Romans 6, 2. And in another place, the apostle John saith, we know that we are the children of God, etc. But what is the inference? Is it we may now sin and live as we list because we know that when Christ shall appear, we shall be like him? No. The holy apostle infers this, he that has this hope purifieth himself as he is pure. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Section 2. Sundry doubts removed, in particular about falling from grace. Notwithstanding all that has been said concerning the certainty of perseverance in grace, after the Christian has been truly converted unto God, yet many will doubt they shall fall away. Number one, because they fear that all their religion has been but in hypocrisy and in form only and not in power. Now such may fall away, as has been said. If it were true that all which you have done were in hypocrisy, then until you repent of your hypocrisy and be upright, you may justly fear as much. Yet, you must not desperately conclude that you shall fall away from your profession, but should rather be quickened and stirred up by this fear to abandon hypocrisy 
and to serve the Lord in sincerity, and hereby make your calling and election sure that you may not fall. And then you shall have God's word for it, that you shall never finally perish. Psalm 15, 1, 2, 5. This concludes episode 73 of Henry Scudder's The Christian's Daily Walk.